It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb, Johnny, and Isaac. Listen in as they discuss the 1989 novel, Felidae. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and those in between. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Novice Elitist Book Club. And I guess it was like the first episode we did was that, but this is like we're actually doing our first book review of what we said before. And why did it take so long? Because, you know, reading books takes a while. Yeah, we, we aren't collectively fast readers. Unfortunately, no. Well, to be fair, I mean, in the meantime, I have read three books for a podcast, so. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna do this similar to how we would do like a movie review, uh, as as our um, big inspirers, inspirationers, excuse me, that's not a word, uh, would do. So we're going to uh, have signs. And we're gonna have you know how we felt about and the best thing, worst things. So Johnny, why do you not start us off with uh, how you felt about the book Felidae, a novel of cats and murder? Oh, very good introduction there, Isaac, and thank you once again for having me on. Always a pleasure. Uh, do you want to like explain generally the the like you know the style of this novel, like what the big deal is first? Do we want to give a, like a general synopsis before we get into like our opinions, or do you want me to just get going? Well, this is again, it's only a few sentences. Yeah, just give me a brief, you know, what 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 you, how you felt about the book and what it made you feel like. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So so uh, first of all, how I felt about it is that I I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Like you know, I thought I was going to get like I'm I'm used to reading like the Watership Down the Silverwing kind of kind of stories with animal characters and like only and like you know they t- they typically do like a really good job of world building like that's that's a given but I, I wasn't expecting everything else like I'm like I knew it was gonna be like a detective like a like a, like a murder story but then it got it it really it really goes down a rabbit hole from the very kind of Lovecraftian worded introduction of just like you know the warning that my tale is not a happy one, the kind of very, very much how Lovecraft would have done it, it kind of brings on us, it gives you a very, very different kind of surreal horror sense, and it was a lot more horrific and surreal than I ever could have imagined. And that I really loved about it, and at the same time, it kept you guessing, because this mystery is, like, really, it goes freaking deep, like, it, it gets involved in, like, the occult, animal ethics, cynicism and just loads of black comedy just like this i didn't expect to laugh as much as i did with this book i was laughing my ass off at times it really draws a fine line so i just i just ended up getting so much more than i could have possibly expected and for that it was for for that it just felt like it just kept on giving me like reasons to like it so so like there was that but yeah and, and my favorite thing about it was that yeah it just kept me it just kept me guessing 
because like you know of course you're it's it's like watching like any kind of detective movie with a mystery is you're always like okay what's who's the killer what's going on but then but then it also just kept on throwing in so much like like mythology and like history and just so many different things that i literally had no idea what to expect and how this was going to end by the end of the novel and so that was really that was really good the worst thing is that i think um, my suspension of the disbelief was broken every now and then because and mm -hmm. maybe it's just me like I, I felt like some of the characters kind of got away with more than they reasonably could have like like, like we have cats using computers in this book <laughs> fudging a roll like like we have that and like okay like you know it's not not the most outworldly otherworldly thing in the world considering who it was who was using the computers if you know what i mean yeah but but like how how they could keep doing that and get completely uninterrupted by the humans i mean yeah people people generally have no idea what the hell is going on in their cat's head sure that that's a given and and, and, they, and it's kind of accepted that like, if your cat's not around he's doing his own thing somewhere else but still just like okay you you're able to sit on a computer and figure out this whole mystery over the course of I don't know how, how long the book takes place, but I forgot the time frame. But it just like it's it's it was a little bit um, it was a little bit far fetched at times. But at the same time, it didn't really take away from my enjoyment of the story, so I don't I can't I can't get too mad about it. Oh, uh, I, I think the book's like maybe like maybe four months at the most. Um, but Isaac, I feel like we did a bad job with the. Uh the geek evolution kind of imitating here because we didn't really give Johnny the uh, the prep for how they uh, the more blurb style of it but <laughs> yeah I mean fair enough we'll, we'll show him something eventually but uh, are you wait are, are we trying to adhere to a certain uh, structure here <laughs> it, it is kind of a it's a particular thing that Isaac is uh, emulating there but I'll, I'll give you my brief little uh, imitation of it which is a rather shitty version <laughs> But so for my how I felt about it, this book made me feel like it's time for me to get back to reading murder mysteries <laughs> because I forgot how fun uh, they can be on the page. Like, it's just so enthralling reading a mystery. It's a very different kind of vibe than just like a straight like horror book or a straight sci-fi book. So I really appreciated that. Uh, my best thing right off the bat is the author's just sense for setting um, and his kind of world building with this just one little neighborhood and all the cats and all the kind of different characters we meet. That was the stuff that immediately just kind of pulled me into the book. My worst thing, though, unfortunately, is actually the lead character, Francis. If for whatever reason, I just... I just never really felt like he was a real character, for whatever reason. <laughs> he always kind of felt like an author insert. Um, and we can get into more of that as, as the book goes on, but that was definitely the thing that um, I felt disconnected me from the narrative the most right but over to you isaac thank you for that yeah for i think my blurb's not as great either um yeah for uh how how, how did i feel about this book uh this book made me feel like horror stories with animals as a substitute have gone extinct circa 2021 and that more stories about animal cruelty from the animal's perspective uh is needed now na uh, nowadays hmm. uh yeah. this th this is yeah this book holy smokes I'm probably wrong on this, but I don't think there's another book like that. I mean, there, there is not another book like this nowadays, but holy smokes. Like, I, I don't know the level of, like, gore and or of, like, violence. Not, I don't know if violence is the word, but just, like, the amount of stuff, like, the animals get up to here uh, for this, like, type of style of book. I don't know if that's been, like, emulated nowadays in book form. Yeah. 
At least not, not to my knowledge. The closest thing would be Plague Dogs, but carry on. But that was... Yeah, I thought that was older. That was in... What, that's older. I'm talking like in like the 21st century. Oh, oh, oh fuck no. Not, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, that's that's me probably being a little ignorant. I, I haven't like done my research on like other books like this. I don't tend to read books uh, centered around animals very often at all, so I can't really comment. But <laughs> yeah, I want to <laughs> yeah. see the um, I want to see uh, the adult version of Redwall. <laughs> let's let's see how that would look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that would be yeah, That'd be something. But uh, let's see. My best thing uh, I would say is a lot of some of the science behind the book uh he did a lot of, I, I always love books for this reason in that you you can get techno babble and get away with like a lot of exposition and, and techno babble because you have pages now whether that's like you're just filling in page counts or word count or something like that or the fact that you get to explain how things work was was amazing i, I like that i also like that he tied um several real world characters into this book or maybe like maybe maybe like a few excuse me mm-hmm uh and parentheses this isn't cats 2019 and parentheses why did it why did you have to bring this i don't know why i just i I thought so my worst thing god this one was this wasn't a stump of me because again the problem problem here is that with my situation is that unlike either of you i have seen the movie first and then read the book second oh interesting i've i i certainly i guess another like one thing i liked about this book is that it's a lot longer than the film, but I can't really, I can't blame the film for that fully. Yeah. Um, worst thing, geez, yeah, I, I was struggling on this one. Yeah, I, I struggled, and I had to, and I eventually came up with what I said too. But yeah, there is not, there's not a lot I really don't like about this book. I'll be honest. I see. I think I sort of see what Caleb's talking about from his, but I'm not gonna obviously take it from there. Worst thing, I wish, I wish the some of the. I don't think they saved this for the sequel, but the worst thing, I wish uh, some of the stuff behind the scenes or everything at the end, there was a more coherent epilogue and, and we kind of got a sense of what the neighborhood looked like afterwards. Like if we had like a month later and because and, I don't think it was like a month later after uh, the ending, no. but I kind of wish no. we had a epilogue of some sort to see where what the power structure is like of, of the cats around town and if it has like, if things have changed and... It, I don't know if that would have like made the book a little more positive, but yeah, something a little more like wrapping up uh, loose ends uh, would have been nice. I can actually add something onto that there. Go ahead. Was that this this novel? I I didn't realize this until quite a while after. Is the first in a series. Yep. Like there are um, how many more of these fucking books are there? Six. There there are yeah there are six. There are six of these books. So that 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 would probably give you. Um, the uh, epilogue you're looking for, and the continuation you're looking for. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Oh, eight books. Holy shoot. Yeah, eight. So, so uh, yeah. Uh, also of note is that I, so for some reason, I, I thought th- I thought this book was written in like the mid '90s. It was actually written in 1989. Mm-hmm. So just I, I I don't know. I just thought to point that out. Written in 1989, but probably like. Culminate a culmination of writing throughout maybe like five or plus years. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and to be fair, Johnny was actually published in English in '93, so mm-hmm. it took a while to get over there, over here, I should say. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not surprisingly. Uh, well, here's here's a question: How can people find this book? First off, because like that that's a good question, actually. We're we're talking about this book, and they're like, okay, how do I find this? 
It's out of print. Yeah. The only way we found it was through Amazon. And I, I mean, maybe, maybe if you're in America, you can use that, that book exclusive one, bookshelf or book club, whatever it is. I think it's bookshelf or book library or something. It's, it's like Amazon, but just for books, and it's not Amazon. It gives more money to bookstores Good. or whatever. But, but yeah, maybe it's on there. I don't know. We don't have it in Canada, or else I would have gotten it. Um, yeah, I just found it on Amazon, and, it, and it's, it's not going to be some, like, prime exclusive that you'll get brand new in, like, a day. It's going to be, like, some, some used copy that you're going to get from, like, some corner of Europe for like eight bucks shipping. Like that's just the reality of it. Unless they have a, unless, unless there's an audio book. Let me look at that. I don't think so. It's not audible. Cause like it's, it, yeah, it's not, it's not hard. It, it's not very easy to find. It's funny that we have, we each of us, all three of us, like our books are completely different. Like Johnny's is smaller, is the smallest. Oh, did you have just have a- Yeah, mine's the mass market back. Oh, okay. Then Isaac, you have like a tall paperback, right? Yep, I have like I think this is the that's fourth. I think this is like first, maybe. No. Yeah, then I've got a hardcover with a slipcase too, so or slipcover, I should say. You son of a gun, <laughs> lucky son of a gun. Yeah, I got lucky. <laughs> um, so do we want to open the floor up for this general discussion now, or of course, uh, we... Johnny? Did you want to give your little uh, kind of summary of what the book is about? Kind of thing. Um, sure, sure. So for the for the uninitiated, Felidae Spoilers. is as Isaac said. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil the the plot. I'm gonna give a general a general idea. So here's the here's the synopsis of Felidae here. So we, as Isaac pointed out, it is a novel of cats and murder. It's also on on the on the uh, title page here. So basically, the idea basically what happens is that we, we have this cat named Francis, and him and him and his uh, dim-witted owner move into a new neighborhood into like the most disgusting house imaginable and francis is as a narrator very <laughs> very inspired and very cynical very calculated and he said so he's he's having a great time with his life not but then as he gets in there he know he, he he begins to find out that there are there are a lot of recent murders and death of a lot of cats in this neighborhood and and, and francis being the intellect he is be, sets out to basically be the detective and try, try and solve this mystery. And the further in he gets, very much lo, like a Lovecraft story, the further in he gets, the more shit he finds. And the more things begin to open up and reveal something really, truly horrific that's been going on in this neighborhood for a very long time. Also, also of note is that, is that throughout, this, throughout this entire time, Francis is not only is not only trying to solve this mystery, kind of on his own. He has he has a few helpers, namely namely a very deformed cat named Bluebeard, and a few others that that come to light as the book as the book progresses. He also begins to have terrible nightmares that are very surreal in nature and and involved with the plot. So it's so it gets and th these nightmares are part of the reason why the movie got an R rating, I believe. So they, they get very, very... Fuck, the, the amount of description and just the surrealness put into these into the nightmare scenes is just kind of off the wall. Like, I was genuinely shocked with, with, with how grotesque this shit got, personally. Pleasantly shocked, don't get me wrong, I love this shit. But, like, <laughs> but it, was, it, it, it made me really appreciate where this book is going a lot more. Yeah, and I guess uh, just to call back to our uh, speakeasy bonus episode 10 you read out one of those dream sequences which was kind of the impetus for this podcast 
Yes, that, that's true. I heard that, and I was like, I'm very curious to see how that fits into a narrative. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> that's still my favorite scene in the entire book because there is no, because I even as I read, I, I think I said I've said enough about that scene as per our last our last uh, discussion, but. As I read that scene, and even now, I'm still kind of not sure how you're supposed to react to that. Because it's it, it's it's fucked. It's undeniably fucked up. It's ridiculous. But it's also hysterical. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, it is really funny. <laughs> so it's just... And it's and it's just it's just so bizarre that I that's one of my favorite scenes that I've ever read. It's it's really <laughs> funny. It's it, it's just a, a great time. Yeah, and it comes early enough in the book to still be like really shocking yeah because you know, by the time you get to the end of the book there's so many like bizarre turns and kind of graphic sequences that, you, that that scene isn't quite the shock but just three chapters in you're like whoa what the fuck is this <laughs> like where's this book gonna go <laughs> <laughs> yeah also worth noting about the book too is that it's a fairly it's a fairly modest length like it's, it's like it's not like a big tome of a book it's pretty easy to get through it's pretty the language is I think very akin to the more, like, kind of direct, cynical works of, like, uh, the more existential or nihilistic writers. It's, it's very cynical, it's very almost angry at times, like, the writing. <laughs> it's very surreal, it's very straightforward, it's just, it's, like I said, it, it's funny. <laughs> like, the, the, just the, the sharp comments here and there, Francis's commentary is just, and, and, like, I kind of agree with you, Caleb, that, like, as a like, as a character, like you, it's kind of hard to see what kind of Francis is, what kind of where he's at because part of the time he is he is the narrator and part of the time he's like he's like involved in the story. Mm-hmm. But I also that also kind of brings up another question to me is it brings to mind kind of because he's he's the narrator and he's talking about his own experience. So how much of it do you think? Is being. I don't think it's an. Un, it's like an unreliable narrator. No, I don't. I don't scenario, think so like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But I do think the way the story is being told kind of tells us what his view and his, and his personality is. Oh, absolutely. He's very cynical. He's very nihilistic. He's very. He's very funny. I think. <laughs> he's, he, well, he, he's balanced because he's he's very cynical, but he's also got a touch of kind of uh, hope to him, you know, especially like that epilogue. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, things are super shitty, but, you know, there's still a bright side to stuff. You know, I mean, not everything's awful. You shouldn't turn out like uh, the murder of the book, which I don't know when, when you guys want to get into spoilers, but... Uh, probably later later on. Okay, first of all, and, and this is like... And, and, and this one's mainly for Isaac. Yep. Because, because I remember you weren't... The very first time we watched the movie, you weren't exactly happy with it. Yep. And you said that you, and you, said that you saw the the twist of the of who the killer is coming a mile away yep oh mm. how, how did we feel about the reveal in the book it was much more well done i think yeah. um and maybe because again animation you can't really, really see that and maybe it just makes it easier and unless they were going to pull like a, a random character out of nowhere it had to be one of the party members and obviously <laughs> it was you know that one party member who will remain unnamed until you know <laughs> further on down this commentary or this review excuse me uh so i think it was much well well done uh for here and again my problem with the with the movie i'll, I'll just sum it here is that 
it just felt like it went so quickly like the, like there was yes. just so much to do and again this is the problem that we had it's adaptation problems where we had um for all those if you remember if you listen to our just league new frontier uh movie review you'll know exactly what i think about that and the fact that i'm just like i wish you know we took time with these things especially with animation because you i think book two movie adaptations i think could be probably done and possible even more possible with animation like could you imagine if harry potter was animated like holy crap like also worth noting is that like on that note i think book to book two um movie adaptations are one thing i think something like this could have been much better tackled with a miniseries mm. you know three or four episodes oh, yeah. because because then like because like you know with a movie and as long as movies are getting nowadays it's freaking ridiculous <laughs> Oh jeez! It it is like you are still cry- trying to cram a book into like two two and a half hours, whereas whereas if you if you pull the watership down like they recently did on Netflix and you had like like three forty five minute to an hour long episodes and maybe a bit longer for the finale, you kind of have a lot more time to space it out and people have more time to space out how they watch it if they wish and they can digest it better. And in the case of something like Felidae, like you don't want to rush how much there is in this book it's like once again it is dense but there is a lot going on just do what they did with crack the book aka it you know in the <laughs> 90s like a year after this came out and then you know the most recent uh, adaptations uh in, in parts one and two like just do that and the thing i want to add with that too is that is that and this i don't think i don't know if this is true but if i find it very interesting was that i felt the same way about the watership down movie the original from 70 three or 78 or whatever it was the animated one was that the, that movie was also it felt very fast and it felt almost rushed but it kind of covered all the bases from the book hmm. like, like 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 you know it did miss some of the slower scenes but the f- almost frantic nature of it was kind of like how it was written and and th- these are rabbits we're talking about right like they're just they, they, they live their life very quickly like, like you know their heartbeat so quick and it just kind of felt almost almost very rabbit like and kind of true to t- true to who it was about that it was just so so raw so quick and so and just so kind of so just hurried not to not to quickly like review the uh review that book and that movie but i think what you're going at is that the fact that that movie is much more a I won't say a chase, but they're always trying to like evade. They're always trying to like, get away from. Yes. There's always danger amongst them, and they're trying to get to a destination. There is like, it is going from point A to B, but they don't know where B is because they're always trying to find a good place for B. And eventually, in the books, they do find B, but then something else happens after that, and you know, we'll get into that. Precisely. But this is a is a is a is a thriller, and or is is a noir piece for Pitt's sakes, and. What I like about noir is that they take their time. They're very mm-hmm. slow. There's a lot of subtlety in there, uh, and you'll often, you know, have weird pose or prose, excuse me, um, and lots, lots of prose. I'll say that. I'll ask you guys about that later. But like, the prose and just like mystery takes a while. That's how detective stories used to work. And I'm not gonna say the movie was acting in a chase like manner or very hyperkinetic, but it just felt like we were kept going at scene after scene after scene, and I'm like. Okay, this feels like there should be more, or th- this should be slower. But it's we we got to fit that runtime. Kind of loses the reflective kind of quality. Which, by the way, I'll just quickly mention: I haven't seen the movie yet. I was holding off for our commentary, so that's good. I'm kind of uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of comments on your movie comments, but but go ahead. Yeah, so that's 
yeah, I, I agree with that too, Isaac. It was very, it was very quick. I do think they did an admirable job with with the the animation on the more on the more um, graphic scenes of the movie. Huh. Yeah, but I, I do I do not like how they omitted one of them. The one, that, the one that we were just talking about that I narrated, that's not in the movie, and that oh, pisses no. me off. I know. Oh. I really wanted to see that animated. That was the one reason I want. That was like one of the main reasons I wanted to watch that movie. But well, spoilers for Caleb. Rest assured. <laughs> r- rest assured. The other ones are are excellently done. Well, I would love to discuss those dream sequences because yes. Uh, Isaac, when when do you want to cross over into spoilers here? Let, let me know, cause um, yeah, okay, fair enough. Okay, hold on for a second. Let's uh, let me ask. Uh, what do you think of the prose, you guys? I'm not really good with prose. I don't think I've read enough, like sure. you know, no, the, some of that purple stuff. But like, what did you guys think of it? As you guys are both like much uh, better writers than I am, or at least more experienced writers than I am. Excuse me. Well, and there's there's always the issue with reading a translated book. Oh, it's yeah. hard to know really mm-hmm. is this are they capturing the writer's real kind of style but I, I thought it was pretty fine it was um, constructed well you know it's not like Stephen King who can be a little bit confusing with the way he writes <laughs> even though I'm a big Stephen King fan the way he writes is a little bit um, a little clumsy at times I, I thought this came off quite well he, he can't be clunky he, he can either be really good or he can be really is clunky. that because he's coming out with like you know 12 books a year Probably has something to do with it. It gets it gets a lot smoother as he ages. Some of early stuff. Yeah, it's like it's like, it's like he learns how to be a better writer through experience, which is, which is how it works. So yeah, at least at least in terms of prose. Oh, other fact for those who know for Caleb, uh, he hasn't read anything yeah. past. Would you say like two thousand stuff or whatever his last book was that you read? Two thousand eight is the most recent book of his that I've read. Oh, okay, I, I haven't read anything. So past that, I'm pretty sure he's probably gotten better. I I don't know. I have to ask my dad. Oh, I'm sure. He's probably written like 50 books since then. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. The, the pros and felony. Yeah, it, it's true. Um, so I'm I'm always and, and this is totally a me thing. I'm always happy when a book makes me pull out a thesaurus. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because 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 it's throwing mo- it's throwing words at me that I've never heard of before, and like sometimes that can be like really annoying like you know if you've sat in like an intro to writing fiction class and you have that guy who is just like ah and he precipitated sensually across the room it's like fuck off bud oh my goodness like like i mean it's it's one thing if you have a character who talks like that and you're using that to kind of illustrate how, how much of a prick that character is but like in the sense of this of this book like it just like, like you know there are a few older words in there and hey maybe that's something that like that's how they talked in the author's oh. in, like, in the author's neighborhood or his his part of the country or whatever, I don't know. Like, like there are some really kind of some some older words I can't, I can't think of off the top top of my head, but it's just very very intelligently written. Like like he, he like he like he's he just writes like a guy with a really good vocabulary. Yeah, because because he has a very he has a very good collection of words, and, and he I like how he mixes the the really educated with the really crude. <laughs> you know, because like he. Like he'll go from like describing some scientific procedure in one scene to describing what he's doing to that female cat in the next scene. Ugh. Yeah, no. By the way, if you guys want to discuss that at some point, let we me will. know. But for the for, for the time being, I mean, I liked it because once again, it ha- it has the lang the language itself has a fire to it. Like like there's 
like it's not like some it's it's very driven like it's very cynical it's very very expressive there's a lot of attitude there's a lot of like you can very much tell the character's worldview by how he's how he's talking how he's writing indeed and it really sets the tone of the story and he doesn't he doesn't pull punches either like it's just really he, he just says exactly what's going on and it's I, I, I was happy with the prose it's very at the same time yeah it doesn't meander around either like it's not like Heart of Darkness where it's <laughs> like where like one paragraph describing one thing is like a page long it's just like it's very it's very quick it's very it's, it's very like it's ponderous while still concise I was happy with it stupid question I should have brought this up beforehand for those who don't know what is prose oh my god yeah I know I would say prose is just the author's way of conveying his story on in words <laughs> I mean, how he writes dialogue, how he constructs sentences. I think that's all it really breaks down to. How he describes the setting and how he uh, gets the uh, what gets into the character's thoughts and actually how they are characters. Because again, this is a completely non-visual medium, so you're gonna have to like describe and and get characters down uh, in in the correct way. Yeah. Make them different and that they're not all the same. Uh, now, what were you going to say, Caleb? My bad. Because I know you, you were like, you, you, I heard you say something about like, oh, interesting. Oh, uh, with Johnny or with you? I, I don't remember where I was going to jump in. So. Yeah, I don't know. You, you, you like, I think. I, there was a bunch of things I wanted to jump into and I, I kept missing my chance. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, oh, oh Caleb, do you, uh, the dream scenes. Yes, the, the dream. Well, I feel like that needs to come into once we start getting into spoilers, so. All right, from here on out, spoilers in five, four, three, two, one. You have been warned. Who was it all along? And it was Claudandis all along. Well, that's who his name was. And you know what? We can just leave it at that. We can just leave it at that. It was Claudandis all along. And for those who don't give a shit, and I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll be quickly, quick about this. One of the first things Francis finds is that there is a cult in his attic who are torturing themselves with a piece of electric wire. Yeah, I don't make this shit up. <laughs> Um, and they are and, and they are doing it to the, this this ecstatic sermon to Claudandus, which, if I recall the book, the book saying what translates to Latin of one who is not to be opened or cannot be opened or something. Yeah, something like that. So, and Claudandus is their martyr, who died, or who 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 was tortured apparently by humanity, and then sacrificed himself and ascended to heaven. So Claudandus, so yeah, there's the, this cult, this sect who believes in this in this Jesus Christ-like figure. He who must be closed. There, it's, sorry, sorry, thank you guys. Um, actually, you know what? I just I just remembered. I just remembered. That's that was my worst thing. Uh, the very beginning, where like the cult is in his attic. That's too much a give. I'm sorry. That is just way too much a given. What do you like, mean? Holy crap. A given, a given what? Oh, oh, that they're right, they're, they're right there in his attic, his place. Yeah, they're right there in the attic. I'm that, just like, that, you know what? That's fair. That's that's too easy. That's that's seriously too easy. Too convenient. Yeah, it's way too convenient. Well, it is and it isn't. Yeah, it isn't. It, it is and it isn't because, I mean, it makes sense that they would gather in the place where, where it happened with, with Clodandus, you know, because that's where he was tortured and that's where the laboratory was. It is. I can't remember off the top of my head the history of the house, like how long it had been, un it'd been un uninhabited for. So maybe they had been in there and they've been doing that for years before Francis moves in. And then he just happens to move in right underneath it. Yeah. 
did veneers. I, I, I do agree with you, though. It is just kind of like, oh, hey, there's a fucking cult in my eye. Yeah, okay. I was like, pull out of the rear. <laughs> you know what it is? It's also like the fact that his, uh, his can opener... Um, Gustav, Gustav did not like figure that out. I kind of wish that happened where like um, Gustav all of a sudden like went upstairs and just all kind of like that scene in Ratatouille where um, the the old lady finds all the rats everywhere and goes ballistic against them all. I kind of wanted that with with Gustav, or except he's probably not going to go ballistic, but just all of a sudden he sees all these cats killing each other uh, via electric wire. Uh, electric well, they, current, they weren't me. dying, but uh, they well, uh, were they though. <laughs> Uh, they weren't dying. They were just they were just getting very wounded. Uh, well, I, I guess I'm. We watched the fountain. Remember when that priest was just whipping himself, and you know the flagellation as part of uh, worship. Oh, I'm trying to remember that now. But I did I did think it was. I kept being confused as to whether Gustav just moved into that place because he was like a squatter, or if it was an actual place for rent. Because it seemed like the building had been abandoned for years. That's the sense I got. Yeah, well, he wanted to renovate it. But was did he just like find a building to move into, or was like someone actually still trying to like rent the place out? I thought his friend. Cause... I don't know. It makes sense that Francis wouldn't wouldn't disclose that because he because he wouldn't know about like retail and like renters mm. and any of that shit. So it makes sense that he wouldn't disclose that. He's he, he's a cat. That's fair. But but um yeah that, that that's true. I mean. In the end, I just felt sorry for Gustav. He's just this like really really sad lonely guy who's just trying who's just like trying to make his way and then fucking Archie like, fuck, fuck. oh yeah that's <laughs> like, I did like Archie yes yeah and I'd like to discuss <laughs> the, the human characters in this because they're all they're all kind of interesting in, in just how they're portrayed as like these shallow like I mean Pretorius is really how, how do you say the name actually it's not Pretorius it's Pretorius Pretorius is that how you say it yep. I thought it was spelled differently but uh, yes, it's, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Pretorius that's that's how I was pronouncing it, but I was like, I feel like it's not actually spelt that way. Petrius? No. Yeah, I think it was more like Petrius. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, Praterius. Oh, that's, yeah, Doctor Praterius. Praterius. Yeah, he was probably, or I guess not probably. He's easily the most in-depth human character that we get a, a view into. But hmm. even he almost seems kind of shallow in his his view of the world. I, I just thought it was interesting their their portrayal of humanity. It's just kind of this empty. <laughs> kind of thing. Well, I, I liked it too, and it, it also kind of makes sense because, like, on a couple counts, for the first one, the first one being it's kind of on, on, on the sense of just how the book is written, once again, it's very cynical. Mm -hmm. And it, it clearly has a very negative view of humanity. I, I mean, look at the 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 epilogue with the last the last paragraph or two. But then also, the second one, and this and th this is something I've always kind of found interesting, this, this idea, is what do our cats think of us? <laughs> Like, 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 I mean, imagine being a cat and you're just sitting there in the kitchen and you're like, why the fuck do these humans get up every morning? They fucking stomp around just just making themselves get up at these ungodly hours. <laughs> they, they, they make this, like, acidic but, like, nice-smelling drink and they stare at a fucking, <laughs> fucking plastic screen for hours on end. They, they, they laugh at it every now and then. They just sit on the couch and they stare at stuff and they go outside and they just, like, fucking throw, like, fucking just lie in the sun, like... Like, but like that, like, what are these people? What are they doing? You know, what are these animals? These bipedal, uh, hairless so, like, animals. Like, it makes sense that like Francis, as an observer, really kind of wouldn't understand that much about humans. But at the same time, he kind of does. Mm -hmm. Like he like, he knows a lot about Gustav and he knows a lot about Archie. Yeah, a lot of that dialogue is devoted to those guys, and I'm just like, wow, you know a lot about like certain human things. Like, there's a lot of like phrases I was surprised that he knew about. Yeah, so like it's. 
I mean, I mean, I'm kind of torn between that because it's like, on the one hand, it's kind of funny to have the cat be that smart. Like, like a, a part of me finds that just, just, just really funny that the, that the cat is just so ungodly intelligent. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, how does he know all that? Is he just like, is is that part of like the whole cynical worldview of the author of, on, on humanity, or is that is that part of the metaphor? Like, I don't, I, I don't really know. Like, you know. Since you mentioned uh, ungodly. You guys want to talk at all about the cat religion, which I think kind of shapes things in a certain way? Before that, before that, I just remembered another one of my best things. Um, the whole notes, uh, the whole note chapter, where we just like find out about like um, Dr. Pretorius's, yeah, uh, yeah, the journal. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for you, Caleb, but it's a little different in the movie. Uh, changed slightly. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a little disappointing for me because i actually really enjoyed that book and just how much of a scumbag uh and well it's hard to it's hard to even call him a scumbag i guess he's a scumbag but i'm just like i'm i'm pissed off that they were like trying to all the animal testing that was going on because i'm very against that even though unfortunately a lot of modern day medicine wouldn't be here without animal testing and also you know the concentration camps back in world war ii which this this book is tied to as well i mean it's in West Germany, for pit's sake. So, of course, it's going to, like, you know, talk about that stuff. You know, Isaac, very interesting point you made there. Because I, I agree there are a lot of allusions to not only... I mean, I mentioned animal ethics already, but yeah, the Holocaust. And in light of that, Akif Perinci, the author, his statements on Nazism are very interesting in that light. Mm. His recent statements that he made... I mean, there's, like... Freaking Claudandis wants to create Ubermenches for pit six. He wants to create Nietzsche's uh, Ubermenches. Yeah. And like, it's literally like survival of the fittest. It's mm-hmm. it's insane. It's it's complete. He just wants a super race of cats. Well, not even survival of the fittest. Yeah, super race. Eugenics all the way, baby. Like, holy yeah. crap, it's insane. It's like fuck survival of the fittest. I want to create my own race. It just like the humans wanted to do. That's that's another curious thing about the the killer. Once we yeah, and that's and, that aspect of it. And 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 that's what Francis muses. He's like, yeah, Claude Andes succumbed to hatred, lost his innocence, and in the process became human. Yep. That's really that's really interesting. And yeah, like, and and that's the thing about Claude Andes as a villain is that he is very calculated. He is very savage. He is very merciless, but. He's really sympathetic too. Scaringly enough, he's literally seen the he's he's literally seen the worst that humanity has ever like has to offer. Oh yeah, and and, and he emerges not just trying to take he he emerges <laughs> he, he is trying to create Ubermensch of cats to kill humanity. Not just cats, super cats. Keep that super cats to kill humanity, and like I like that because that is just so insane that I love it. Straight out of anime. It's like you know what, you know what, we're just gonna make super cats and we're just gonna kill all the humans. It's like that is the kind of it's like well, of course he's not gonna be attached to reality after all that torture. Like you know, insane. I I was just actually really really happy with that because he's he's he's, he's well drawn. He's he's sympathetic. He's terrible, and he's just he's just insane. He's a bad guy. It's it's awesome. <laughs> I, I just loved it. <laughs> well, it's interesting to say super cats because it's not even necessarily super cats. It's like reverting to their their state before domestication. And that's literally what Felidae is supposed to be, where they go back to it's almost regression, but also while progressing. 
Well, well not re not regression is, is his point of view. He feels like what he is right then is regressed. Okay. He wants to go back to the original state when they were perfect in his point of view. Hence the eugenics plot. Hence eugenics, exactly. Progressive regression. I wonder, actually, this is stupid. Again, I'm just like, you know, brainstorming here or whatnot, just thinking out loud. I wonder if uh, Dr. Petrius was either related to a surviving, like, Nazi or could just be, like, a stand-in for, like, you know, a Nazi scientist survivor, almost, who was doing those experiments. Like, stand-in. They, they, were, they were snabbing them, man. I mean, most, uh, well, technically, mostly the rocket scientists, not so much those idiots that were um, testing all the prisoners in the concentration camps. But, like, could you imagine that? If he was, like, a surviving uh, eugenics, uh, eugenicist scientist, that'd be s insane. Yeah, I think it'd make him much less sympathetic. The sympathetic thing is he, he really does believe he's doing it all for a greater good, at least at least in the beginning. Yeah. At a certain point, I don't know if he really believes anything anymore. He might just have completely cracked. But Well, that's how Claude Anders escapes, is that he, he thinks the cat's talking to him and wants to challenge him to a death match, which he clearly loses. <laughs> yeah. So, so he, I, I think it's safe to say he's pretty off the fucking rocker by that point. <laughs> oh, is he now? <laughs> All right. To your point, Caleb, you wanted to talk either about the about the sex or something before that. I don't remember. Or the dreams. The dreams. That's what it is. Thank you. The dreams. Yes. Uh, I believe it was chapter maybe nine when they really break down. When he goes through and he's and he's like, "Oh, if only I would have paid more attention to my dreams. I was um, like giving myself all these clues." And I was like, "Is this kind of reaching back to a more outdated form of like psychology where people were really like?" your dreams are giving you all these internal clues and how to process things. I was like, this feels a little outdated and silly, a little bit. Freud did it. <laughs> yeah, fuck Freud. Freud. I mean, who, Freud's been discredited a million times over. <laughs> I don't know if you... Yeah, it's just a sex-crazed lunatic. Uh, wow, yeah, so you are with uh, all of, you know, psychologists right now. All the... To give Freud props where they are due, without him we wouldn't have psychology as, as a field the way it is today. Yeah. I'll give him a, so so. Let's just go from there. I'll just say, <laughs> and this has been a controversial subject for me for basically forever. I think a lot of modern psychology is complete bunk, but <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> I know many people would disagree. I see but... your point. I actually see your point. <laughs> I'm gonna very quickly. I'm, I'm gonna very quickly say that I do think. I, I don't like how much the mind is objectified and how people just go, "Oh, I had this, this, and this. Therefore, I'm this." kind of thing yeah. like i i do think i i kind of think more on, on a cause and effect kind of continuum where like oh this happened to this person therefore they'll behave like this mm -hmm. Be because like i mean it's easier for me in like layman's terms but i don't know i that's that, that's fair I, I don't know i don't know enough about modern psychology anymore to really argue with you on that yeah, it's been a while fair to each their own, to each their own at this point i'm not gonna we aren't gonna get get into a debate <laughs> about whether or not an entire fucking field is bullshit on this oh, podcast <laughs> we can do that later completely fair <laughs> it's for the speakeasy I'm, I'm gonna say this that it doesn't surprise me that the author would do something like that with the dream sequences because that's still very common in literature mm, that's fair for better or worse that is still very common in fiction for people to have premonitions in their dreams, especially in the horror genre, like Lovecraft, Edgar Allan Poe. The, the, there's a whole lot of dream shit in there. So on the on the basis of that, I'm not opposed to it because it just kind of continues a tradition of what's alive in literature. I don't think it's... I do think that 
dreams can show you what is going on in your head. I don't think they necessarily will spell out exactly what you should do or or whatever. I do think, but I, I, I do think like you know recurring things can tell you things about your about about your thoughts. I'll, I'll say that much. So in in light of these dreams, I kind of don't know what to say because they range from horrific to what the fuck to downright obscure mm -hmm. and they can't they, they kind of have hints to what's going on here and there but i mean i i, I don't know what to say about it they kind of spoiled who the killer really was for me though there was one particular dream where i was like oh wait I, i'm pretty sure i know who the killer is going to be now <laughs> what, what, what dream was that it was the one where he, that um well i i guess me saying it is going to kind of spoil it because we've just been saying um Dantis at this point. We've been saying spoilers for pit's sake. Yeah, we've, we, we've alluded this. Well, there's the picture on that, that guy's wall. I forget who the Someone Mendel. Jesuit. Gregor Mendel. That's the middle name. There you go, that's it. The actual, an actual, like, uh, Jesuit, um, that's not how you say yeah, it. Jesuit. But, uh, uh, Jesuit uh, biologist. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, once he showed up in the dream, I was like, well, I mean, this connection, it seems a little bit too direct for it not to be Pascal being the killer. I mean, who? <laughs> it, it, that was kind of the the signal to me, and then they were building up almost immediately after that. How like we were like, oh, we're almost like twins. We've got such like the same ideology in the world. I was like, oh no, they're building this up too much. Like it seems like he's gonna be the killer now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was kind of like I wish they hadn't put that in there. But <laughs> oops. What? Like, that's the hard part you're gonna run into with every detective story. Is that like, is this hint gonna say too much? Hmm. I, I, like at the same like at the same time it's it's easy for a hint to say too much but it's almost easier for it to say too little and then and then at the end you go oh he was the killer and you just, and, and you look back to the book and you go well how the fuck did you find that yeah, out yeah exactly <laughs> you know sometimes that sometimes that happens too like like you ideally want to have it like the sixth sense where you the twist happens and then you go oh that's why all these little things happen mm. like, that's ideal but because it makes sense and set up and pay off. Yeah, you don't want like yeah. the, the carpet pulled out out from under you and they just throw in a complete kind of bullshit twist at the end. Yeah, so but yeah, I I, I can see how that would disappoint you a bit though. Are you saying, Caleb, that the ending not the ending, but some of those dreams are Deus Ex Machina? They do kind of have that vibe. I mean He is talking to gods as well, let's be honest here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess once you yeah. get into the religious side of things, maybe it was God giving him a clue. I, I don't oh. know. <laughs> and also, to your point, suspension of disbelief about, you know, having precognitive dreams. For Pitt's sakes, these are talking cats we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and who can, as Johnny pointed out, can type on computers. Yeah, it, it didn't ruin suspension of disbelief. It was just, I thought it was a little bit of a shame to give it away so blatantly, I yeah, thought. And keep in mind as well, uh, the fact that Let's be honest here. It's nineteen. It's nineteen eighties. Late, like literally the last you know uh, year of the nineteen eighties. Of course, they're still going to use Freudian, um, be not beliefs, but studies because That's for Pitt's sakes, it's West Germany at this point, and he's yeah. from around there, and it's still widely accepted for Pitt's sakes. Yeah. So yeah. just I don't want to say like I'm not going to defend it, but I'm just going to say like keep in mind at this time. Look at it again. Don't think of uh, art being in a vacuum. It was made at a certain time. Exactly. Yeah, th that's what, well said, Isaac. Yeah, it didn't damage the book for me at all. I did think it was kind of um, a little annoying that the fact that he, like, went through each dream in the chapter 9 and was explaining to the audience what they meant. I was like, maybe we didn't need this, but... <laughs> that's fair, and do, do you think it was... 
do you, do you think he was like backed into a corner as in like the the author like threw himself in a corner and was like crap how do I get out of this no sometimes like Christopher Nolan gets accused of this oh yeah where he feels like oh the audience isn't gonna quite get what I meant what I meant so I'm just gonna quickly recap for them in case, in case they missed it it felt like a little bit of that but yeah he does that but you know it is what it is I, it, it was just it, it didn't damage the book at all for me it was just a little bit of a spoiler I thought <laughs> Which was your favorite dream, by the way? Either, like, for mind flippery or for just, like, creativity. I don't even know what you'd call it. It was the one that Johnny read on the podcast. <laughs> that one to me by far, although I do have a lot of appreciation for, for I think it was the one that r- right after where, where, like, the guy had, like, marionettes made of all the dead bodies. That was cool. Just you wait for the movie. I don't want to, like, hype it up. But yeah, that was crap. best scene of the movie, like, Hands fucking. I don't down. want to overhype it, but dude, like, it was it's beautiful. it's great. <laughs> he just had such a good voice for Deep Purple in that scene that it just made it so <laughs> fun. I mean, yeah. it was really funny and also really horrific at the same time. So way more just than I could have done it. I would want to do, I would want to do an adaptation of this, like as a as a limited series and voice half the characters myself. I, <laughs> I really would. Would you love to do an audio book of this? Um, that that could be fun. My only the, the only hard part is that I don't want to be I don't want to be calling Mr. Perinci and asking for permission because he's <laughs> he, he, he's kind of a fuck. Yeah, he kind of is. Let's be honest here. We love this book, but we don't. Again, this is. Would you actually instigate? Uh, again, random. Would you instigate death of the author here? Uh it's gonna take it's gonna take a lot for me to instigate death on somebody. First of all. Well, it doesn't quite mean that, but... <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, right. Okay, sorry. Yeah, for, go ahead, For Gil. death of the author, it just more means, like, removing the author from the equation. You know, like... Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Separating yeah, yourself from or the fact that this is the author, and, cause for instance, he's... Um, I think Akif himself has come out as being very, like, anti-Muslim. But that's... Mm-hmm. I'm not justifying it, but the fact that he's from Turkey kind of... Well... You could see where those boys uh, actually. From. He's, he's German. I thought he was born Turkey born, and then no, no, no. Sorry, he, he's he's Turkey born. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know how long he was in Turkey for, but I'm I'm not I I'm obviously like you know egg on the face right now, but like I see where he's coming from. At the same time, I fully disagree with like you know him being anti-Muslim. So it's like, eh, but but still, I kind of get that culture. Yeah, and just some of the particulars of the kind of uh, hate-filled commentary. Yeah, it's 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 a little strange, especially reading the end of this book, to think that uh, he had those views later in life, but I mean... I don't think they're ever present in this, though. As far as I, I don't think so. Um, completely the opposite, I think. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Very much. The only one that, that seems present, if you can call it that, is just his general kind of cynicism and distaste for humanity. Uh, well, that's... Yeah, I don't... Fair. But, like, that's... That's, Nihilism yeah. is is all is can spread through all cultures. It doesn't have to be just like one particular one. It goes above racism and prejudice. Precisely. Exactly. That's why it's the best. Precisely. Lovecraft was white. What? <laughs> the whole uh, view of the book is like humanity may be pretty despicable and evil, but they're still good people, which is a, a view that I agree with. I mean, humanity has has been a complete disaster for the world, uh, for every other species, but they're still good people. I also love the yeah. um, the opening of the book as well. Not even the opening, but the freaking like intro almost, or whatever you want to call it. Um, oh yeah, the quote. The, um, 
not the not the first place. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, the and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and cattle, and everything that crepteth upon the earth after its kind. And God saw God saw that it was good. Genesis. Genesis uh, two one or something like that. I like that idea, that it's the from the perspective of cats and like bringing Christianity into the mix of like how humans have affected the animals like mm. that's i think we don't do that often but like the fact that he opens with that quote that immediately like just makes you think like oh golly like what is you know god told you know man to rule over animals what does that mean for you know from an animal's perspective like oh golly that's <laughs> disaster. hard to think about i'll say that complete disaster <laughs> yeah no it's, it's it's definitely very foreboding when you read like that <sighs> yeah no it's it's it's, it, it's definitely like, like you know something big's coming. When somebody when somebody breaks out the Bible quote, <laughs> what follows is never no. small. <laughs> you know. I wish you we know? did that more often using like biblical quotes. But again, that's also another thing. That, you know, West Germany has you know high percentage of Christianity in there uh, at the time. I think it did. Uh, so of course it's gonna have that. And again, there's that weird religious element to the cats, which I don't fully grasp. I'm curious what you guys think about that. What, do you mean the Cladandus cult? No, no. Uh, uh, Francis and even um, Cladandus himself, they both kind of look up to God in a way. Like there's that moment when um, Cladandus, however you say his name, <laughs> admits that he spoke to the doctor in the end. And Francis is like, how could you do that? Like, that's against God. Like, God wants us to kind of stick to our own in a way. Which I, I couldn't remember mm. if that came up much more in the book. I feel like it popped up every now and again but not super often and then especially in the last chapter it seemed like he was really talking about god and i was kind of like oh I, i'm a little confused where this is coming from but um, i thought he was referring to the doctor as god unless i'm wrong no i i think he was talking about actual god it was weird like, i'm yeah. not sure if you guys <sighs> reread that last chapter but it it seemed like he was talking about like actual god yeah because because the prophet is supposed to be Claudandus, right? For their cult, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which they admit that Joker just made up whole cloth, so. I'm trying to remember who the, um, who's that guy in the sewers? Or the, the catacombs, excuse me? Uh, Jasada. Jasada, thank you. Yes, Jasada. Yeah, because he was referring to. Uh, did he know about the doctor? No. Actually, yeah, he was part of the experiments, wasn't he? No, I don't believe he was. Okay. I thought that he was just a cat that kind of ended up in there. No, he escaped from from the lab. Okay, oh, yeah, okay. I was right. So he, he does know about the doctor. I thought so. And now he's the guardian of the dead. Yes, where all those, literally all those cats that they, like, you know, the dog, yeah, the cats there. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, where all the um, all the experiments that were performed on those cats, all the dead cats were just basically placed in that catacomb. Good No, grief. those were all the ones that... Uh, uh, Clodandus murder. Oh, that's right as well. I think actually it might have been both. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. That's where he like disposed of the 447 bodies that he killed. Jeez. For, uh, <laughs> for interrupting his eugenics. 450, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're really close to 450. <laughs> Stop fucking things, you're in my way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, okay. Let's let's go to that. Let's go to that. You bring that up. Yeah, that was a great... I love how uh, uh, Pascal kind of describes Like He's like, yeah, you know, like... I was doing my breeding program. I'd try to tell them, you know, stay out of the way. Like, you know, don't fuck with this. It's really important to me. But like, oh, they didn't really listen. So I just had to take them out and, and I threw them down there because it was an easy way to dispose of the bodies. And he just says it like it was Tuesday. Yep, just like it's nothing. I was like, God damn. <laughs> and like, you know, he gave them a chance too. Like, he was like, hey, you, hey, dude, just like 
I'm asking you, just stay the fuck out of this, and they want to know, and so it's okay, well, now I gotta kill you, kind of thing. Well, you're in the way of the plan. So, so, so he, he, he kind of, so, you know, he, he wasn't, he's not all bad. And also, the interesting thing about, like, the, I, I, I just thought of this right now, like, Caleb, your point about, about how Francis is, um, his talk of God is kind of interesting. Well, well, and, and that coming on the heels of the discussion of how, how like there were a lot of similarities that Francis even knows between himself and Claudandas, right? Well, well, Claudandas kind of became human. Well, perhaps that's Francis's own way of becoming human in a sense, because religion is nothing to animals. Mm. So, so maybe that's like Francis's his own kind of perversion, his own kind of like, okay, here's here's a human idea he's kind of latched onto for whatever reason. Because maybe that, because maybe that gives him someone to be, like like you know someone to blame, someone to, like some kind of hope that that that, that he holds on to. Hmm. <laughs> I gotta think about that. Okay. I might I might be talking out my ass here, but I don't know. <laughs> well, not fully. I think you're onto something in a way. Yeah. No. No. I could I could see that. It for me at the time it felt a little um, like I remember it coming up a little bit early in the book. And then it felt like it went away until the end, and so I was a little bit like, "Whoa, I feel a little mm. blindsided by this." Just how much they're kind of leaning into it, but yeah, I'd have to think about it more. Maybe on a maybe on a reread. So I'll definitely reread gotcha. this book. I, I really enjoyed it. So. Oh yeah, highly recommend <laughs> this book uh, and reread it. <laughs> highly recommend. Highly recommend. Yes. All right, Isaac. Yes. Lead the way. I know yep. what you're gonna say. So. Um... Cats have sex. Let's uh, let's go. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, and and Caleb in the movie. Yes, they oh, do. Interesting. Hmm. Why do they get into the voice oh, acting for boy. that? Yes, oh dear. Porno. Yeah. Here we go. Softcore. A little bit. A little bit. Like this is probably like the original furry porn, I'd say, or for yeah, furry pornography film. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's converted a few in the, over the course of its life. So what did you want to talk about with the sex scenes, Caleb, exactly, if I may ask? Because you kind of, like, initiated that at first. So I think that was Johnny. I don't think I brought them up. Oh, okay, sorry. Johnny, what did you want? Like, just, I guess you wanted to discuss it, right? Yeah, I just... The only thing I brought up was that they were in the book. I didn't really... I wasn't really looking for a gigantic discussion of them. I mean, I do think... I mean, I, mean, I guess they were merciful in that they didn't go into any of the melodramatic kind of storytelling that we've seen with recent vampire themed novels mm. and their derivatives uh-huh. but but like you know they were straight into the point they got the point across and they got the fuck out of the way that's like there was nothing really like if you were if you really didn't want to read a sex scene between a couple cats you know you're not really going to get that with this book yeah i don't think it, like it was relatively and it was in, in like general kind of kind of human language too. So there's nothing that that's not going to be a huge turn off, I think, if, you, if that's a turn off for you. Yeah, it's not like the uh, sex scene in Stephen King's It. Nobody <gasps> knows about that. Oh, that, the, yeah, that was. I y- yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that wasn't in the movie. Let's say that. <laughs> God damn! Yikes! I don't think you could. Yeah, Maybe really. in animation. Maybe. <laughs> oh no! I, I don't know. No. Like like that is a book. Crack the book. That. It's kind of hard enough to make sense of sometimes, and then that happens. Sorry. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck? I keep saying crack. Cocaine the book. That's what it is. It's cocaine the yeah, book. Yeah, cocaine the book, yeah. I mean, I still really enjoy that book, but yeah, that moment Same. in particular is a little off-putting. 
Maybe a little more than a little off-putting. Very strange moment. <laughs> I really enjoyed that book. And then I got to that point, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. <laughs> it was really weird. Comes out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, I will say this, funny enough, that like once the sex scenes actually did happen, uh, I also love the fact that there is like a glossary in the back, or notes. I always love that, that uh, when books have that. Uh, I think Watership Down has that, if I recall. Uh, actually, it's, it's, it does, it's laden throughout, that's what it is. Yep. It, it does, but Watership Down had its own its own words, its, its own language. That's right. also had some notes um, regarding like certain rabbit etymology as well and physiology and the same with this where it does have like you know certain behaviors of cats circa 1989 and or like the 1990 in 1980 excuse me historical notes too yeah, sure. darn right they did i kept wondering what all the numbers were for because i didn't realize there was going to be a glossary at the end oh really and i was like why are these little numbers appearing everywhere and i was like oh wait now i'm at the end oh, i guess it's uh, explaining it now oh <laughs> uh, yeah that's fair that's actually funny like if you read ghost in the shell uh, the comic book they're just laden everywhere it's it's mm. quite hilarious, and you just can't you you almost can't read the whole book without like reading each of them, and it's like oh golly, how do I get through this? <laughs> um, but I did find interesting once I found out about how uh, cats actually have sex and like the, the screams that occur uh, or the yelps that occur. Excuse me. All of a sudden, like the neighborhood cats in my neighborhood um, are done. That's oh, here. <laughs> um, it all made sense now why they all yell and scream because they're literally like in heat and are like trying to have sex and like oh my goodness that's insane oh but uh besides the cat sex there um <laughs> yeah thanks what did you guys uh, think about the characters in this book besides francis yes the other characters we have um bluebeard we have kong we have full oh, yeah <laughs> we have felicity uh we have the yep. hermans uh, Pascal, and we have Joker, and we have the Egyptian cat, who I can't even say because Johnny, you're on this one. Because I'm good at a lot of like Eastern Asian names, but like when it comes to Egyptian, I'm just gonna leave it to you because you love Egyptian. Jisaja. I thought it was a German name, actually. Bless you. Jisaja. I said Jisaja. Oh no, the the Egyptian, uh, the, the the Egyptian one. Oh, like all for the uh, the old new species. Yeah, when she comes up out of nowhere. Yeah, those I don't have any clue how to pronounce. I was so... <laughs> I didn't even know. It was just words on a page to me when I read their names. <laughs> it's a real word, I swear. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm sure it is, but yeah, I have no clue. So, I got up a, uh, I got up a, uh, a site that kind of tells me all the um, all the different types of breeds they are. So that's pretty cool. So, like, for instance, Bluebird's supposed to be, like, is a Maine Coon. Um, but also kind of has some Manx look to him. Uh, Felicity is supposed to be like a Russian blue. Uh, Isaiah is a Persian. Kong is an enormous Himalayan, uh, also known as a color point Persian. Uh, the Hermans, if you remember, like his two sidekicks, are Oriental. Hermans are short hair. He didn't need it. Look how he doesn't even differentiate. He just calls them the He's like, he's like he's like the fucking hedge. He's like he's like the fucking henchman. Thing one, the thing uh, stupid two. Um, Oriental short hairs. Pascal's supposed to be a, a Havana Brown. Interesting. That's, that's, that's surprising. Yeah, I didn't know that species. I should have looked that up. I was yeah. looking up some of them throughout, but I forgot to look up Pascal. Oh, they're cute. They're they're very brown with uh, like like kind of light greenish eyes. Hmm. Yeah, I mean they're all like European based and or or at least like hmm. European, African, Asian based. There's no like any. Well, I think that's where cats originate. Well, apparently in book eight there's a Canadian lynx, and it's like. Where the f did you come from? Because you're not supposed to be here. You're all the way over there. Um, 
and Francis is suggested to be a European short hair, something like that. Yeah, like all the uh, murder victims, at least from the bodies that he initially finds. Yeah, and then we see Joker in the movie, but he's like, apparently he's supposed to be like some long, large, uh, long-haired breed, um, so it doesn't really give one. And then obviously the name I can't pronounce is supposed to be like as a body and shape uh, or body and face of an oriental short hair, but some of the color pointing features of an Abyssian? Asbinian? I don't even know how you would say it. One of the oldest uh, domestic cat breeds. So like, again... Egypt, like, you know, the, the pretty much like the breeders of cats, really. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that he called back to that, and I liked that there was that kind of um, coincidental thing with Gustav kind of being obsessed with Egypt. But, but it made sense. It worked well in the plot, I thought. That's true. She, her, her character came up out of nowhere, or at least, like, came, all of a sudden, like, showed up out of nowhere, and... I don't know, I was just like, huh, you came out of, like, left fields. I wonder if this was just, like, because, like, the, 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 the plot told you to. Yeah, I, I mentioned how much I loved kind of the setting of the small little town, or small little uh, street, I should say. Yep. But yeah, I did think it was interesting that he introduced that new species so late in the book. I kind of wish they popped up more throughout instead of kind of in the last, like, maybe four chapters. Yeah, thoughts, Johnny? Uh, well, I mean, I can't, I can't recall, I can't remember 100%, but I think that, I think that maybe... At that point, Francis was kind of looking for it. Like maybe he'd seen, he'd seen a cat. Like I, I can't remember. Like, like maybe he'd seen it before, but he he wasn't quite attuned to being like looking for it. If that makes sense. Mm. That's that's fair. It just seems like if she she's like a unique breed of her species, and pretty much like the only one in the neighborhood, you'd think that she'd be the standout of the crowd. Well, the thing is, she isn't because um, Bluebeard and Pascal. Kind of mentioned that they've been popping up more recently, and they've seemed to have come into fashion with uh, people kind of buying them. Oh, hmm. right. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. Even though that's not actually the case. But... Okay. So, so yeah, like I, I, I see both sides of this. I mean, it didn't ruin the book for me, but yeah, I can definitely see that being being a question. Well, I completely forgot that line drop, so that kind of makes my point a little more mute. Moot. Never mind. I retract my statement about that. Bluebeard hated him too. He was like, they don't really act like other Felidae. Like they have more of a wild side to them. Hmm. Yeah, the whole like wildcat thing is uh, is brought up in the essay. But getting back to the characters, I think that he he did a really good job of just like you knew who they were with very very little effort. Like by by just how they talked or how they moved or how they looked at you. Like you know who Bluebeard is in the first <laughs> like like page he's on screen and he doesn't he probably says anything. It was pretty consistent, you know? Yeah. Kong is basically what he is in the movie. Just a, a big oaf. A big walking brick. Fucking big, big ugly oaf. Wide. Uh, Felicity. And once Loser again, head. I am genuine. I was gen... Thanks. Thanks for interrupting me, but... Sorry. But Felicity, that, like, genuinely surprised me when Felicity, like, died. Yeah. I'll just say, I actually thought she was the killer when she first showed up. Ooh. Yeah, that's fair. It's like, ooh, you know, she's she feels probably bitter towards the world because she's, you know, been kind of fucked up by people. And she's a female, and all the murder victims have been, like, males who've been aroused at the time. Oh, interesting, yeah. And then she got killed, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as quick as she was introduced. Yep, basically. <laughs> yeah, that kind of, that, that part kind of uh, disappointed me in the movie where I was like... It really did. Um... 
you, she's just introduced and then killed, and I'm just like, wow, this stuff's in the fridge much? But, like, man, yeah, I was kind of hoping, like, she would, she'd be, like, you know, the, the woman, the, the person in home base where, like, Francis could go to and, like, he could talk about things and almost get, instead of, I mean, I guess blue, that's what Bluebird is for, but, like, basically, like, analyzing all the clues and coming up with, like, a, a, solving the problem, uh, something like that, and she... She's a different point of view as well, so maybe she can see something that, like, the other two can't. Hmm. And she gets freaking beheaded, like, immediately, and I'm just like, what the f***? Like, great. I was hoping to, like, learn more about this character, and... This is... I'm kind of both speaking with the book and the, uh, and the, the movie, but I'm pretty sure she... Lasts a little longer in the book, but again, because it takes place a little more... Over time. Not at all. They have one meeting. Not really. He, like, falls in love. And that's another reason why I thought maybe she was going to be the killer, because he was like, holy crap, like, I basically met my soulmate, like, she's amazing, like, this girl is everything I've ever wanted to meet, and then she immediately dies, but I was like, oh, he's building her up too much, like, she must be the killer. That's maybe uh, another reason yeah. why I thought Pascal was the killer, too, because he was... And all of a sudden, subverting expectations! Yep. Because <laughs> this book, it doesn't get too much into Francis's kind of opinions on other people, like, Bluebeard, he, like has opinions on him but they're not super definitive yeah pascal and felicity he's like completely all in and goes on about how much he likes them and how much they mean to him so i'm like oh they must be gonna betray him somehow <laughs> you'll be betrayed betray him or die <laughs> mm. yes. or die that's true but yeah yeah everyone else is pretty well drawn with a couple a couple of lines or a couple of paragraphs really yeah exactly i kind of wish we had a i know a Again, this is just me wanting, and uh, we never will get it, but I was kind of hoping that, like, there would be a confrontation between, uh, what's his name, uh, Joker and, and Francis. We never did get it, though. Yeah, true. Uh, just because uh, that character was, he was important to the plot, I'll say that, uh, and he was also causing mischief for Francis uh, early on, so I was kind of hoping, like, we would get, like, some, some of his character, and then, you know, there he is, frozen inside a, uh, was it warehouse? Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, just dead. The least explored too. That that's kind of a shame too, because he would have been an interesting character to meet. But yeah, we never did really. Yeah, exactly. Especially how uh, just uh, uh, how do you say his name again? Josiah. Josada. Josada. Thank you. Uh, talks. Josaja. Sorry, it's, it's a J. None yeah, Josaja. Um, how he talks about him as well, and how he's like part of the plan, and how like yeah, apparently Joker's kind of a okay guy, uh, except for the beginning part. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. At least how, at least how just uh, put it, put it. Excuse me. No, because he was he was completely in line with um, Claudantis's mission. Yeah. So he was totally down for the murders. He was basically an accomplice. Yeah, there you go. So definitely not an okay guy. <laughs> I just a... mean, I mean from, I, I mean from the caretaker's perspective, he was like, I think he was. But that poor guy. I mean, he's really got no valuable opinion on anybody. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's like he's... trapped down there. <laughs> I mean, he's stuck in a cave for pit six or catacombs. Yeah, completely deluded. <laughs> and he finally is free at the end. Mm -hmm. Yes, no, and I kind of wish we saw like what happened to him afterwards, but again, that's kind of... Yeah. He he found a home with a bartender. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And I like how Francis is like, well, you know, they give him booze every now and again, and I guess we'll see how that turns out for... Oh, man. I was like, what the what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not the weirdest thing to happen in this book. <laughs> That is fair. Yeah, I like that character. I love that scene when they, because uh, Kong and Her the Hermans are chasing after Francis, and then they kind of team up briefly to track down the murderer after they find, uh, I think her name's Solitaire. 
Kong's girlfriend, who they find murdered, who is pregnant. Oh, yeah. Sasha. Yeah, and then they, uh, and then Francis goes and finds that kind of tomb, which is really cool. Kind of random, too. It was like an Egyptian tomb or some something like that. <laughs> Not quite Egyptian, but I thought that was a really cool moment. Uh, no, it was, it was like a cleric, like an old church, I believe. Mm, I think you're right about that, yeah. There was like a bunch of human corpses and then cat corpses as well. Yikes. Yeah, it was kind of random, but... <laughs> really random. I like the... <laughs> I like the part where, when he initially finds the documents, all of uh, Dr. Petrius's, uh, Dr. Petrius's, thank you, um, his documents, he was like hunting for rats, which is fine, makes sense. <laughs> but I remember how he like described, he, he caught the rat and killed it, and he felt like ashamed. He was like, oh, I feel so bad. I feel, I feel ashamed. I, I don't think he actually did. I thought he did. Because he was like, he hated that rat because he was like, look at this like pompous asshole rat. He thinks okay. he's like old and in charge. <laughs> maybe I'm messing. Uh, maybe I'm messing up with another scene because I know he like felt sympathy for something beneath him. Yeah, and he kept talking about how the rats had like a secret kind of plan to overtake humanity. <laughs> Just kind of the same thing that um, Clodandis had. I'm. I guess he watched uh, Secret of Nim two to figure <laughs> that out. <laughs> don't mention. Isaac, never bring that movie up in my presence ever again. <laughs> uh, well, you showed us Titanic. Well, guess what I'm showing you? No, we're not. No. Oh my god. We're no. Oh my god. I've never <laughs> no. <laughs> you get to hear her singing Eric Idle. I, I don't need that. Yes, you do. Key on, key off, key on, key off. That's Ralph Macchio. Oh. Oh, oh wait, oh, wait, no, no. He was the good part of the movie. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No. Eric Idle, the guy from Monty Python. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. He actually, like, you know, can sing. Really? He was he was the only good part about that movie. Okay, enough of that, enough of that, enough of that, just for now. <laughs> no, let's carry on. Yeah, carrying on. Uh, did you guys want to talk at all about kind of the climactic meeting between Francis and the murderer? You mean the Lion King? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make that, like, joking or comparison when we get to the movie. <laughs> that's pretty funny okay yeah i could definitely see that in the movie absolutely no you'll see you'll see what i mean in the movie where i just call it like it's it's the lion king because it was actually released the same year it's the lion king but like for adults pretty much all right caleb you, you want to start off with this well initially i enjoyed it i i thought it was a little bit strange that it started with francis going to the computer and kind of uh, discovering some hidden computer programs <laughs> It, it felt a little outdated in a way. <laughs> well, you know, it's computers from the 80s, so... <laughs> it's not even just that. It's the fact that these cats were able to, like, dissect and or... Um, uh, what is it? Uh, get through computers... Uh, interact, excuse me, with computers from the 80s. Which still had... Which still was, as far as I'm aware, running on floppy disks. Yeah, it made, it made yeah. me think a little bit about Michael Crichton's uh, Jurassic Park book. Where some of the computer stuff in that fit a little quaint. Yeah. Okay, but mm -hmm. dinosaurs weren't act interacting with those computers, though. No, but but they still spent a lot of time <laughs> focusing on them. That's fair. But I was quite surprised that the book actually ended with a big fight scene between them. I definitely did not predict that happening. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I figured it just the way the book was going that it would have been more of like a kind of battle of wits and maybe... I, I just didn't see a fight scene, you know, with fire okay, and kind yeah. of... Uh, brutality <laughs> it, it just caught me off guard a little bit yeah rip pascal's owner's building <laughs> yeah rip 
Yeah, and I was like, is that guy dead? Zybolt or whatever? Did he burn to death? <laughs> I think he was out of uh, out of the house at that point. I kind of hope that he burned to death. I mean, he was a part of the initial experiment, so it would have been fitting. <laughs> His owner? I thought he was... I thought he was the guy that... Yeah, he, um, he ends up coming back and saves them all. Well, he saves Claudandos. He kind of saves him. It, it's more like he had quit because he saw that the experiment wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And then he came back to check on um, Pretorius, or however you say his name. I think Pretorius, I think I'm getting that from uh, From Beyond. The oh. book. <laughs> nice. But I, I think he came to check on him, and then he found the doctor dead, and Claudandus had already set free all the cats, and he just kind of took him in out of guilt. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil it slightly because I'm gonna for, I know I'm gonna forget it like during the movie, but that that whole like um that whole like point in the book of how like one of the former uh, members of that experiment uh, saves um, Pascal, yeah, that's not even brought up as far as I'm aware in the movie. Interesting. I, I don't yeah I don't know if that's in there. Or I not. think it's glossed over. Mm, might just be implied. Yeah. Well, I, I guess if it's if it's for those who read the book, if you know it, it's there. And it's, but it's not spoken of and or mentioned in the movie, so. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I was just a little surprised about the violence of that scene. It just seemed a little out of place for me, but I, I still enjoyed it, but it just took me a little off guard. Johnny, what do you think? Like, for, for my purposes, it was one more, one more thing I couldn't, I didn't really see. Like, I'm like Caleb, too. I, I didn't see, like, a big, gigantic fight scene being the end. Like, I knew there was going to be. There was going to be a confrontation between Francis and the killer. Yeah. I knew I, I knew that much. I just didn't think it would turn into this this big spectacle. But I I kind of like that though because it was just like it was it was one more thing to check off of what doesn't this fucking have? <laughs> like like to me. So that was yeah. It was it was a cool exciting conclusion. It was interesting to see like I mean like fucking Francis going up against this like seasoned murderer. And like it, it was a very, it was actually really tense because you're just like, okay, well, Tress is telling the stories. Obviously, he gets out, but like, how? Like, it was, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was tense. I enjoyed it. It was fun. That'd be funny if unreliable narrator. He dies in the end. It's like, okay, who's the narrator been the whole time? <laughs> Riddle me this, Batman. Um, I think I'm in agreement with Johnny. Of like, yeah, you expect like this killer is is like, what what are you gonna do? Like, talk him down with words. Gonna hurt him with words, um, but I, I see your point as well, Caleb. I kind of like that as well. That'd be interesting if they did have like a battle of wits, like a classic Sherlock novel, um, or Star Trek, or Star Trek. Yeah, that's too. Well, especially between those two, because they they even refer to each other as they kind of felt like they were twin brothers, or equals uh, mentally. Yeah, it just it seemed almost a little out of place. I mean, I still thought the scene worked well. I mean, it was it was a well described fight scene. Yeah, I was just a little surprised that that's the way it ended up between the two of them. I think I think it, I think it really couldn't have happened any other way because Pascal was going to kind of approach Francis on like the hey we are we're equals we're almost brothers I want you to help me with this kind of thing and so like 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 his mo throughout the entire entire series was that that all of all of his kills like none of them were kind of prepared to fight you know like like they were all like approached by him and they were, they were kind of talking and they were, they were comfortable around him and then he brought in the and then he, and then you know he had to kill him right so that's consistent with how he's treating Francis here 
So I think I think in terms of how Pascal acts, like like yeah, first he's gonna talk to him, he's gonna try and see it, try and see it his way, and then he's gonna kill him if he doesn't, kind of thing. And so he so he was prepared to do his standard, his standard like you know, tactic there. But then he but then Francis is, is of course, kind of knows knows that it's gonna come to that, and so then they end up actually fighting it out. No, yeah, makes sense, absolutely. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Uh... I wouldn't expect anything else just because, like, it's a killer book for Pitt's sakes. Like, it's a it's a murder mystery. You can't expect that to end with, like, a fight scene of that some sort. But, like, to have... I, I agree with you, Caleb, though, like, to have that action set piece, though, of of fire in the background. Oh, yeah, that was insane. <laughs> like, dang. I was, I was surprised Francis didn't escape with some, like, singed hairs around him. Yeah, like, uh, join the group of deformed... In that small little community. <laughs> Actually, that would have been... I don't know if he did get, like, scratched real hard. I forget if he did or not, but that would have been interesting if he had kind of, like... I don't know how where I go with this sometimes, but the idea of he's confronting this antagonist, and the antagonist leaves something with him. Obviously, he left something with him mentally. Um, yeah. And the whole... Yeah. But, like, yeah. something physical as well. Just almost as a memento to remember, like, okay, where's this scar from? And if somebody asked him, like, what's this from? He's like, bad memories, man, PTSD. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Actually, that'd be funny if he got gave him like a scratch on the back of the head where um, Pascal has his scratch. Well, not scratch, but the insertions. But should we kind of give our final summaries? Like, I'm not sure if there's much else to talk about, but we've thoroughly dissected this book. I think. I think we've thoroughly <laughs> talked about this book. Okay, well, let's go in reverse order. Isaac, Caleb, then me. Yeah, this is a really good book. Uh, I'm uh, this is actually yeah, this is where we say I'm feeling it hard. Like this is a really, really like haven't read a book of this nature in a long time, and you know I don't know if if any of you are like interested in reading this now because we just spoiled everything. <laughs> I have no idea, but it's it's certainly um, yeah. You don't you won't find this like I said before. You will not find this book anywhere else, and I don't just mean like literally. You can't find this book anywhere else, but. Unless I'm wrong, and I probably am usually. I don't think this, like, another book of this caliber, or, like, similar themes and and uh, subject matter, um, and even language exist anymore uh, in, in present times of 2021. Yeah, so I absolutely am feeling it. Um, I would absolutely recommend this book. I hope that anyone who listened to this point had uh, actually read it. But, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I think um, it's a great murder mystery, even if it does maybe spoil the the ultimate killer it doesn't really matter because it's still fun to get there and i think um there's a lot of great kind of scenery to invest in um there's a good sense of style and kind of humor to the writing which i enjoyed quite a bit and yeah it just reminded me how much i enjoy mystery stories i don't read as much as <laughs> as i used to but 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 i'd like to go back and read some more because this definitely got me uh, curious for the sequels at the very least so definitely enjoyed it all right so Throughout the course of this review, I, I've kind of said my general thoughts on the book, and I'll, the, the only thing I can add to what has been said already is, if you've listened to this and and I, I don't know, or like you know, just skip to the end so you wouldn't get the spoilers, um, uh, and you don't want to read this, then I don't know what else to say to convince you. This is, I, I, I agree with Isaac, even if there's something similar, because literature will surprise you in what in what tends to come out in certain time periods. I do think, but like at the same time, if 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 you haven't been convinced already, you're you're not going to be convinced. This is a very interesting story, the likes of which I haven't read. It's a very unique, unique 
very very a unique mix of elements I haven't seen anywhere else, and just it's it's a damn good time. If you're looking for something new and something something weird that you haven't experienced before, check it out. But it's also something old, something borrowed perhaps. That was me certainly. Shut and up. then Fuck and up. there was uh, something borrowed. Oh, I just did that. Uh, something something blue, and there's uh... there was something blue that was Bluebeard. Maybe it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. If, if, if you're going to do a terrible quote, at least fucking do it right. Hey, you got the blue in there. I, I'm shocked by that. Well, he said it was new, and this is also old, and I borrowed it, and Bluebeard was in it. But no, yeah, this book was a ton of fun. I'm, I'm so glad you guys suggested it. I never would have probably heard of it even had you guys not brought it up, so. Oh yeah, same here. Same with, uh, if it wasn't for Big Zed, he would have, I would have never known it. So Big Zed. Yeah, and I'll just say, I, I, I never really read kids' books. Even when I was young, the only kids' books that I read were, like, Goosebumps. And I always kind of had a bias against books that start animals for whatever reason. Oh. Um, they always seem like kids' books, and I was kind of a douchey kid where I was like, no, I'm going to read adult books. I only read horror books. So. <laughs> oh, golly. Little did you know. So there, there would never have been anything that would have attracted me to this book unless you guys suggested it, so... I'm really glad I read it. Glad you did. Johnny, are you feeling it? Oh, do I... <laughs> yeah, you just said that. In case it wasn't <laughs> obvious, yes, I am feeling there it. There we go. Yeah, and you would recommend this book highly. But we just did this. Yeah. I don't he just didn't what, say it. What, what the fuck did I have the past hour and 25 minutes of talking about, Isaac? <laughs> no, you weren't feeling it the whole time. It's opposite day. Happy, like, you know, thinking of the Titanic day. No, it's shit. It's shit. <laughs> so that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That was the first inaugural episode of uh, Novice Leaders the Book Club edition. Oh, can't really call it that. It's the fourth edition. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to this. <laughs> and um, yeah, y'all take care now. And uh, if you and your family move into a neighborhood where all these cats are surrounding you and whatnot, and they form up to create this like you know weird cat creature from that, you know, one codename kids next door episode and have like what? cat fingers or whatnot that looks like the ending of Akira or whatnot. What do you do? I, I want to read that. <laughs> Peace. Yeah, that'd be horrific. <laughs>
I'm gonna watch some crazy bullshit movie on Shutter. Probably. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I wonder if this movie technically. I wonder if the movie would technically be like a Shutter exclusive type thing, or if it would be on. Sh I, I guess you would have to, because like, it's kind of got some nightmare scenes. So, uh, it's. I don't know who owns the license to it. It's on YouTube. Though. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you. Well, the entire film's available on YouTube. We are going to cover it. Actually, that's so funny that you released. Um, this is dated, but it's so funny, Caleb, that you released um, Titanic today because today is the anniversary of the Titanic sinking. Oh wow! Really? Wow! Good timing. The hundred and ninth uh, anniversary of the Titanic. Oh my God! Don't <laughs> you feel special, Caleb? The true story is finally told. Uh, sharks and a giant <laughs> octopus—they were the uh, real culprits. <laughs> <laughs> Holy so bad. Oh, that's neither here nor there. This was this was Philaday, and obviously not gonna do this. You can see this for the credits or the the stinger or whatnot. But like, obviously, like this is our first book club. What's the next one we should do? Uh, have we turned off the recording yet? No. I mean, it's still on, but like we haven't we haven't said our goodbyes yet. But yeah, we haven't said our goodbyes. So we can leave this in as a stinger if you guys want. Alright, uh, well, I kind of chose this book, so I, I think it shouldn't be something I choose. That's, yeah, you know, that's I, that seems fair. That's how we do it, uh, reporting-wise, for movies and stuff. So, Caleb, I'm gonna have you go next for, uh, your pick. Me? Oof. I don't know. I'll, I'll let you guys know, because... Something relatively short. <laughs> yeah, short. I'll definitely... I'll think about it. <laughs> I mean, one day we will do Dune... But that's not that's not happening anytime soon. Yeah, that'll be a while. Like <laughs> if we knew our next episode wouldn't be until June. Yes. <laughs> or, or July for that matter. The wait. I mean, it would be nice to do it around the time of that movie because then it's like, okay, I know what I'm doing, or I know what I'm going into. Yeah, it's relevant. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that'll be my like sixth or seventh read. So, but our next episode is definitely going to be Felidate the movie. So I'm looking. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that, but.